All right, welcome back to Duke Basketball Junkies, where we have survived and advanced to the Sweet 16 by the skin of our teeth. What's going on, Pete? How you feeling? Mike. Whew, it is Monday. Are we, are, are we a good basketball team? <laughs> we, uh, we have a couple of very outstanding players, and okay. we play pretty good defense most of the time. Are we, really good defense are we some a of the time. Fraudulent number one overall seed. There is clearly uh, no dominant, no like purely dominant team. I don't think we're fraudulent. Absolutely not. Uh, you know, Jack What's, White injury has hurt us. Come on, just stop. Bolton's a little rusty. Zion still maybe like isn't at a hundred percent. He's like ninety percent. He's still occasionally. You first know, of all, anyway, what's what's going on, Pete? First, first all, impressions. First of all, I am so ecstatic and relieved that we won because I would I just check out. I, I just I typically check out a tournament when it ends, and the ending of a season is so sudden. Um, and and I and I get it. Like a lot of times when when teams win the national championship, they have these games in the second round and third round where they barely win. So on one hand, like I try not to get too down, but on the other hand, all the things we've talked about this whole season has come, has sort of come back. We should have lost this game, you know, if, if uh, Aubrey Amaker or Aubrey Dawkins, Aubrey just, Amaker, I just, like that, just dunks it. <laughs> I mean, we're done, you know. Um, one one little break either way. Obviously, we. It feels like we should have lost the game, right? We should have lost, and a little part of me wanted us to lose just so I could fully blast Coach K for somehow not making it out of the first weekend with the top three recruits in the incoming class. Um, you have to hand it to UCF. They played great. The Aubrey, Aubrey Dawkins kid was sensational. I was worried coming into this game with uh, Taco... Fall. Taco, Taco Fall. Fall. Yeah. That guy... He's seven foot six. That guy. <laughs> seven foot six. Blocks Zion a few times. <laughs> RJ looked like he wanted no part of going inside, and that he, is that's our strength. He, he dunked the ball without leaving his feet like Boban. It was it was impressive. Wow, it was impressive. And how, how he, come Johnny Dawkins can get a seven foot six guy to come to UCF, and none of the big programs get the seven foot six guy? I mean, isn't it pro- probably four or five years ago he was. Not that good. Even now, well, no, he was not good. Yeah, no doubt. Right. Most seven but, foot six guys are incredibly uncoordinated and not very well, good athletes. And he wasn't real experienced with basketball. But yeah. I don't. I still don't get why he's not on Kansas's or UNC's or bench. Like what you know. But I guess maybe Johnny. Maybe they found him. Well, why, why isn't Aubrey somewhere. Dawkins on our roster? We could use a shooter during the game. I any type I kept of shooting. Thinking would, you know. over and over to myself is. How is Aubrey Dawkins not on our team? Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking that. But um, Coach, you know. K, Coach K said, out of respect for Johnny Dawkins, he tried not to like recruit him hard, which may or may not be true. I don't think he grew up in Durham. He's six foot six. He can shoot. You know, but he's had um, he's sort of had a twisty career. I, I'm not. I'm not fully. I think he was done. in Michigan for a while. Yeah, he he. He transferred to UCF to, yeah, okay. to join his dad, I guess. Um, so he was a recruit, and 
You know, he, he wasn't as good as he's been this year. This year he's been pretty great. Um, and in this game, he it was one of the best games anyone played. Coach K said he was in, the best in, player on the floor. Yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe. I'm sure I mean, he doesn't fully mean that, but yeah, yeah. he actually he sort of was. It was one of the best. best it was one of the best performances I've seen against Duke in a long time. It's the kind of performance since, that, like, since Malik Newman, Shamari Pons, Kai Bowman. Yeah, no, it was better than that actually. I mean, it was really efficient, and every shot he hit was like a dagger. Yeah. You know, they're all big shots, he, distance I threes. Thought, I thought he was going to finish this off. <laughs> I just, just the whole last two three minutes was just a blur. He played 40 minutes, this guy, 32 points, four assists, three steals. I mean, it was really an incredible performance uh, by Aubrey Dawkins. Yeah. Uh, very impressive. And he looks just like Johnny Dawkins in Does his he? face. I didn't, I didn't his think face so. looks like almost just like Johnny Dawkins, except like Actually didn't for the so. new millennium. I kept he seeing it bigger. in his face. He looked bigger. Oh, he's way, he's way bigger. Know? He's Dawkins way bigger. Dawkins was a little short. I think Dawkins was like 6'1", 6'2". Uh, I just mean facial Aubrey resemblance. Aubrey is 6'6", six, six, and his face looks more... I don't know. It didn't... I see the resemblance for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's better looking than Johnny Dawkins, that's for sure. But uh, JD is one of the best players ever to come through Duke. Yeah. Had a knee injury that sort of short-circuited his pro career. He ended up being just a good point guard in the NBA instead of being a great one. Um, but he's part of Coach K's original class that 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 went to the Final Four, actually to the Finals in, uh, 86. in 86. And... He was on the staff at Duke for 10 years. I remember one year I called. He was there when we were there. Yeah, and I remember calling the information office to ask about something, Duke information office, and he answered the phones. It's before there was a assistant coaching slot after his NBA tenure. I remember I played pickup with him in card one time. He's been around the program, and he's Coach K had a very emotional press conference. Everybody should go on to YouTube and listen to it or watch it, uh, where he's like, on the verge of tears, talking about how close he is with Johnny, how uh, you know Nolan Smith looks at Johnny like a like a father figure. Said his father Derek Smith died. You know, he was a teammate of Johnny's on the 76ers and right. died too young. Uh, and how Aubrey Dawkins looks up to Nolan like an uncle, or you know, a big brother. brother. Yeah. yeah, and uh, it was very touching. And he uh, it was clear he meant every word of it. So. You should also look up Johnny Dawkins' two minutes post-game talk to his team, where his team is literally weeping in the background, literally weeping. This is, it's it's one of the reasons why March Madness is why I love it because the kids care so much. Like that's why I contrast it with the NBA, where I, I feel like the players don't really care that much; they only care about themselves. The team, UCF kids were just bawling their eyes out, sort of like. Bam Adebayo and De'Aaron Fox at Kentucky a couple years ago. Um, I mean, they clearly care about their teammates and for the program, for Coach Dawkins. And they, sh- I mean, to be honest, they should have won. They they should have won the game. They played better as a team. They executed their game plan. We'll get into the game plan in a second. And and they they were a good team. They won 20, 24 games this year. They beat Houston, who's ranked in the top ten. They beat Cincinnati. You know, within the last few weeks, they were ranked, and their conference is sort of just underrated conference. They lost their last two games, and they didn't get a very good seed. 
but they were headed towards a, a higher seed. So, you know, for those of you who are thinking, oh boy, UCF, they just they sound like a like a, like a total cupcake. They clearly were not. They were big and athletic. I mean, it wasn't just a seven foot six guy. It wasn't just Aubrey Dawkins. Yeah, uh, top, that top Ali Ali dunk to uh, was it Chris Smith who the tomahawk Ali dunked it. It was crazy. That was a crazy play. Yeah, Topko's backup was also very big. Yeah, they had I mean, a lot of size. It definitely affected our ability to penetrate and get to the basket, which is, I don't know, is it the only thing we're good at? <laughs> well, they shot fifty percent from three, yeah. and just they shot they they shot well. And we were just real lucky that ball rimmed out, but obviously that's how it rolls sometimes. We we're also yeah. very lucky, not for Zion, not to not not to kind of get called for an additional foul or two, especially I, at the yeah, end. I didn't think I I, I I would not have if I were the ref. I wouldn't have called either. I wouldn't have called it an offensive foul. Yeah. Um, we were lucky that, that RJ RJ got away with a push on that offensive rebound on the free throw. I also didn't also, really see that. We're lucky the ball bounced towards RJ. Yeah. Right. And well, it was a, it was a complete short arm break. Yes. So it's the the the, the rebounders who have inside position are not going to get the rebound. It's going to be the guys who are behind them. So. Right. We also it, got unlucky that they review that. The shot clock violation for it seemed like 15, 16 minutes, and uh, they still got it wrong. But fair enough, you know. And there's a picture going around where, you know, the seven six guy like found the shit out of Zion on one of the one of his drives that didn't get called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's I not mean, like we, we just like we're given the game or anything, but you know, it. Going back to the conspiracy theories, yeah. I thought <laughs> the refs would be instructed to massage things a little bit towards Duke. I didn't think that was the case throughout the majority of the game. Maybe like towards the end, you could you could see that. But I just I thought I, I can't believe it. We're gonna lose. We're gonna be out. This uh, this great team's gonna be out. Well, I don't think it really exposed anything surprising about our team that the, their strategy worked. They basically they basically just dared us to shoot, dared our our, our shooters to shoot. Uh, they they kept the seven foot six guy in the lane. Yeah, he didn't even come out. Didn't even guard anybody, and they sort of played like a sort of like a combo man zone, almost like a like a triangle and two, sort of like it, this they, one man. You know, it, it, it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, it they, switched they, a few they times. They dared Zion and and Trey to shoot. Yeah, um, they, and I, I don't know. I mean, it's we're beating a dead horse, but at what point? Can we say to Trey, just because it's a wide open three, you don't have to take it? Yeah, I mean, it's getting pretty, pretty. It's pretty bad. I, I to, don't, I don't understand it. Pretty bad to go one of eight from wide open threes, following you know all these other games where he's shot very poorly. Zero for two in, in round one, and then on and, the last pod we said nine for forty four. Right. Yeah. So it does seem, you know, it seems as if he's knocking at that shot. He does sometimes hit it from the corner, but that's not the shot he was generally taking. Uh, so, yeah, your, your points have all been valid about that. I don't understand how Alex O'Connell isn't on the floor Yes, for for Just half shooters. the game. We needed any a shooter. Shooters. With any Jack shooters. White out, and Jack White, we can argue whether he's a good three-point shooter or not. Jekyll and Hyde again. Yeah. You know. Cam is. Cam's a good three-point shooter, and he made him pay. Uh He's probably a good three-point shooter. 
Luckily, Zion was hitting his shot. Yep. He made him pay. Uh, having Alex O'Connell up there to space the floor would have would have would have benefited our offense, and it would have been harder to do what they did against us. But Coach K, I guess, just isn't going to go with that strategy, even when we're we're losing without the shooters on the court. Yeah, but even you know? if he doesn't bring in O'Connell yeah. or Baker or White to space the floor, Trey doesn't have to shoot the three. He can dribble in. He can try to disrupt the defense, cause wrinkles, and then and then make a play from there. He's good in the mid-range game. I, I, don't, I don't understand how he's not given a red light at this point. Yeah, it's it is it definitely makes you question it uh, for sure. Definitely makes you question it. Um, or a lot of good things happen when you throw the ball to Zion. Just hey, how about we just? I know he took a bunch of shots. Let's give him more shots. I thought Trey actually played pretty well. Played pretty good on defense. He was disruptive again. He played forty minutes. That's never a question. And like when you play a guy forty minutes, you know that's another reason his shot might might not be going down on the margins. But Zion played forty. RJ played forty. But it was we, it was in the first fifteen minutes yeah. of the game where he went over six or over seven. Yeah, like that's he that's stopped that. taking them in the second half, which is which is sort of. It's been the story the last four or five games. Like, he just breaks a bunch. Well, there were too many wasted possessions in the first half and early in the second where Zion didn't get the ball, right? Every possession where Zion gets a touch is a better possession, generally. Right. Yet, we're still... It took him a little while to get going. It did. It did take him a while, and there's a reason for that. You know, he'd get by his guy, and there'd be another... Very, very large human being in yeah. front of him challenging the shot. And I thought he actually did pretty well overall, considering the challenges. But it was his lowest lowest field goal percentage in a game, I think. Uh, he only shot 50% from the field, 12 and 24. He got several offensive rebounds right off his misses. Yeah, that, so that it's has a little, to be like a career high in terms of uh, shot attempts. That's the, the most misses he's had in, yeah. in, in a game, easily. Okay. You know, but, um, you know, Coach K is going with... Goldwire is the first guy off the bench. Um, he's sticking with Delorier, and Delorier I thought actually played pretty as well as he could on the defensive end. He had steals and blocks. He yeah. challenged. He made it tough for that that huge guy to just get anything he wanted. Yeah, and that's a challenge. I mean, Delorier looked like he was a full nine inches shorter than the guy. Right. I mean, it was like watching a point guard guard a power forward. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he did well. Um, Cam, Cam had like his box score line looks pretty good. I he was missing for a lot of the game. He was not very assertive overall, and he's not. He's just not the third guy. You know, it's Trey Jones. Yeah. It's Trey Jones in the offense, and Trey's not hitting shots. It's tough. There's something that Bill Simmons says often, and a lot of times in a game where maybe six or seven minutes into the game, and then I see Cam do something, I'm like, oh. Cam's in the game, and I just forget that he's in because it's not like he's imposing his will on the game. Yeah. Like he made a few nice shots. Got a great finish and transition. He did. In the first I think time. it was later. It was like it was later in the game. Um, and obviously hits the sticks that huge three down four. That was massive. 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 Massive we, three point shot. It was, and we needed we're like it, at a know? point where. If we miss the next shot, we're done. We're probably done anyway. Yeah. And he, and he nails it. I also thought RJ had sort of an uncharacteristically 
quiet, quiet or soft type of game. You know, when the the putback at the end of the game was his first bucket in 15, 16, 17 minutes of real game of actual game time. Yes, yeah, which is for him that never happens. He never goes fifteen minutes without scoring a bucket. He played every minute. He was expending a lot of effort guarding. Yeah. And, and rebounding. And, and it's you know, tough for him to attack the basket with that guy in there. Exactly. So. And, well, particularly because we're not spacing the floor with shooters. They they just they packed it in more in a way that was even more aggressive than yeah. UNC did against us. And to, to similar effect. Here are the guys you can just play completely off of. Trey Jones, Jordan Goldwire, Javin Delorier. And Bolden. And Bolden. Bolden didn't play that much. This big yeah. guy, he only played nine minutes, and he looked, he looked like... He was struggling, I mean, to really have any impact on the game. They threw it in the post name one time, and I was just like, oh, God, hope we don't keep doing that. But, you no, know, I was he almost made the shot. He almost that. made the shot. <laughs> he, uh, well, what I noticed is uh, this big guy, the seven foot six dude, Taco, yeah. he was able to protect the rim and stay within close enough reach of those guys where we couldn't outlet the ball to him. They weren't getting easy finishes. I mean, it's a bit of an indictment that between Javin and, and Bolden, they, they only they only made one shot. They only took two shots, you know. Like, our guys are struggling to finish at the rim. That should be the outlet. Yeah. Like, in Coach K's offense, if we're not spacing the floor with threes, we're, we're dumping it down to the dunker spot. Right. But they were able to, to defend us. You know who they couldn't do when they tried to do that was Zion. RJ makes a hierarching entry pass, yeah. which I think the internet and all these guys are saying, oh, Zion had to jump out of the gym to catch it. I thought it was actually a very good pass. He goes up, gets the ball, and he dunks it. You know, yeah. like, But Javin can't do that. Like, I, I feel like Javin's jumping ability, when he stands still, it's not that good, and we actually waste a lot of possessions trying to feed him the ball in that manner. And RJ, I think, is still a little too... He has too many turnovers when he's... Entering the ball deep into yeah. the post. Well, Delaria is clearly in there for defense at this point. Yeah, that's what he's there for, and to set some screens. Uh, I wish he was a little bit of a better screener. I wish he was a little bit of a more effective roller. Uh, but he is what he is at this point, and he's playing well. And the team knows what he is, and so we're not yeah. giving him the ball too much. Look, he got eight boards. I think three blocks, two steals. It's like the same pretty, line he's had in the good. last five games, like mm. six to eight boards. A block or two, a steal. You know, this game he was he was it really fell on him and I thought he I thought he stepped up on the defensive end. Yeah. Um we're not gonna run into another seven foot six guy in this tournament. <laughs> so that's the good news. Right. That's the good news, right? And we're not we're, you know, we it's are, not every game you're gonna run into a guy as hot as Aubrey Dawkins was. We are with going that to side. run into teams that are gonna pack the paint. And but, say you're going to have to beat us from the outside. We are. That's it. Right. That's it. But you're, other teams have, have tried. Like four guys to yeah. attack the basket. And other teams have tried that, and it hasn't been as effective. I think. I hope Jack White can come back this week. I hope. I hope in these spots where you need to space the floor, there's a recognition of that, and it's not like O'Connell is just like buried deep on the bench forever. I mean, he's playing decent minutes in a lot of these games. We played. You know, he's just the last couple of weeks they've gone away from him towards Goldwire because Goldwire has been so good on defense. And by the way, Goldwire stuck a three pointer in each game, each of the last two games, right? 
So he's got three on the year. <laughs> yeah, he's and, uh, 30, greatly improved. 30, 36 games he's got. To... Very small sample size on Goldwire. But, you know, I'm not mad at Goldwire. How, how could you be mad at him? There's only one guy in charge. <laughs> so lay it out. Lay it out on, on Coach K. Do you want to? No, I'm not. I mean. It, besides. That's it. That's it. Just trade Jones. Like, giving Trey Jones the green light, the continued green light. Stop shooting threes for Trey. They could run probably for a lot of these guys. I mean, use the three to balance out your game, but mostly just attack the basket. And if you can't even go all the way to the basket, then at least penetrate and do some things in the mid range. Trey was great with floaters and you know jump shots around the free throw, elbow jays. He was he was, he was pretty he good. He was really yeah. good in previous games. Uh, he should continue to do that. Um, just because they're giving you a wide open three from the top of the key. Doesn't mean you should take it. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, he was four of seven from the field. Otherwise, he had four assists. He had a good game, but we gave away a lot of possessions, and we weren't we weren't getting quite as many offensive rebounds as, as we, we yeah, often were, do. There were a lot of things we like. Uh, typically, we get a handful of uh, transition buckets. I don't think we got anything in transition. I feel like the well, that one Cam Reddish finish that was pretty sweet in transition in the first half. I he caught it quick and just Vaguely like recall this streaking down and like uh, Bill Rafter was like they're coming in waves. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why I made Bill Rafter sound like Dick Vitale there. But typically, the deeper you go in the tournament, it becomes much more of a half court game, which does not. It won't. It doesn't suit us. You know, we usually need like a good four, five, six buckets off a of transition in fast break. Um, things slow down, and we have to actually run some offense in a half court setting. It could be a challenge for us. Yeah. Especially considering our next four games are going to be tough. Tough, tough games. I mean, assuming we have four games, which is no gimme, obviously. Like, these these guys are going to be tough. Yeah, no no game is going to be easy from this point on, obviously. Uh, the tournament has gone, like, almost completely chalk. Besides Oregon, every it's a 1, 2, 3, 4, or 5. Yeah. It, up and down in each of the Sweet 68. I don't know if I've ever seen it quite... This uh, everyone said this was going to be a very chalky tournament. It's turned out to be exactly that. Yeah, it's uh, and we would. But the good news is that just us going to be good in the second in the second weekend. They're all going to be really good. Like I can't wait for Florida State Gonzaga rematch of last year. That should be fantastic. Can big time pull for Florida State there, not just for sort of ACC honor, but Gonzaga's on our half of the bracket. So, you know, we would. I wouldn't mind playing them again and trying to get some revenge, but, you know, it's better for our run, I think, if Florida State can pull off that win because we, you know, we, we have a, a psychological edge with Florida State at this point, I think. We do? I think so. I think we, we beat them. I think we, we, like, defeated them in such a way in that ACC championship that that they found something out about us, you know? I, I think people are relishing the thought of slaying Duke because yeah. I don't think this Duke team instills fear in people. I actually do think, remember that conversation we had after the initial, the Duke-Kentucky game? That game was an outlier. We're not that good. And in that game, we, we made a bunch of threes and yeah. we destroyed. Yeah. I can't remember the last time we destroyed just, a really good team. You just got to be careful to overreact to the last game. So yeah, we, we probably should have lost that game. UCF, Actually outplayed us, yeah. outcoached us. 
out-executed, and we played, you know, most of our guys did not play well, you know. It was not a good game for R.J. Barrett overall. It was not a good, it was a really bad shooting night for Trey Jones. Cam Reddish was in foul trouble and, you know, had, yeah. had some issues. You know, it's not like the bench stepped up and played great. Guys, guys played There's okay. No, no you know, man. there There's wasn't no much bench. of a bench, no right? Bench. But like, we typically get zero point production. Zion had a, still a very good game. He scored thirty-two and had eleven rebounds. But yeah. he it wasn't his best game, weirdly. Uh, and we still won the game against a team, a good team, playing its best game with a perfect game plan against us. And you got to remember, we've only lost—is it two games at full strength all year? One. One game at full strength and only two with, with Zion. With with Zion, we are something like twenty nine and two, but one of the two losses was Trey and Cam were out, so really, really we're almost almost undefeated with Zion and everyone on the court. Yeah, we're just waiting to unleash Joey Baker, you know, um, at the Sweet Sixteen. So I, I wouldn't throw. You know, I think we're we're okay going forward. We right, survived but, in advance, but I, we're gonna. We, we thought we were. We thought we like might like a pantheon team or like a yeah. ninety-nine Duke team. We're not. We're not. We're gonna be. No. We're, we're gonna have some challenges. I'm excited to see what happens. This team is clearly capable of winning it all, but it's gonna be a tough, tough task to win the next game and the next game against Michigan State, then against Gonzaga, then against Virginia UNC. It's gonna be pretty rough. We'll I'm take, looking forward to it. We'll take it one game at a time. Uh, Virginia Tech is next. Yep. They're the. Uh, so I did a little, you know, I did a little bit of uh, research. A little bit of research. Awesome. A little bit of research. Uh, this is Coach K in the NCAA tournament, okay? Yeah. Not including this year. He had been in the tournament 34 times. And Duke was 30-4 and four in the first round. 13-0 and 0 as a one seed in the first round, okay? Uh, in the second round, we were 24-6. and six. Okay, so it was 24 out of 34 Sweet 16s. That's a pretty good record for the second round because you're pretty much playing a, a pretty good team. As a one seed, though, we were 13-0 and 0 as a, in, the, in the second round and the first round. So every time we've been a one seed, including this year now, 14 times we've advanced to the Sweet 16. <clears throat> I imagine this is the closest we ever came to being upset. So then the Sweet 16 rolls around. As a one seed, we're only 8-5 and five in the Sweet 16 game. Uh, overall, we're fifteen and nine, so we're seven and four when we're another seed. But overall, fifteen and nine. So that Sweet Sixteen game has been a hurdle. Do you remember it's, it's, any Sweet Sixteen games we lost? I remember the losing to Kansas and Roy Williams uh, back in like two thousand. Basically, any time JJ Redick one. was a one seed, we lost. JJ Redick teams were, were one seed. Outside of a sophomore seeds. year, sure. Um, I feel like we lost to we lost Michigan to Indiana State when we came out to Vegas when we didn't live out here, right? Um, the only time we've ever lost to Michigan State in the tournament. We lost yeah. to Indiana with that loaded Alan Jay Anderson. Williams team. That, that was, was that a Sweet 16 game or was that the second Sweet 16 round? That game. was a Sweet 16 game. Uh, so there's been some disappointments in the Sweet right. 16. But once we've gotten past the Sweet 16, this is where the, the record is amazing and it's why Coach K is considered perhaps the all-time greatest. Listen. I disagree. Once we've reached the with Elite Eight. this is going. <laughs> well, once we've reached the Elite Eight. Yeah. Right? And this is this means you're playing other top seeds almost every time. Coach K is twelve and three in the Elite Eight. Twelve and three. He wins eighty percent of the time in the Elite Eight. 
As a one seed in the Elite Eight, seven and one. 87.5% winning percentage in the Elite Eight against top competition. In the Final Four, overall, nine and three to go to the championship. Nine and three. Three quarters of the time he won against other teams that reached the Final Four. As a one seed in the Final Four, even better. Six and one. Right? So, as a one seed, only eight and five in the Sweet 16 game, but once they got past that, seven and one, six and one. So, basically, six of the eight times they've won the Sweet 16 game, they got to the championship game. Say That's that pretty incredible. Say the last thing again. So, as a one seed before this season, they got past, they got to the Elite Eight eight times. Six of those times they made an appearance in the championship game. Four of those times they won the national championship. So, Virginia Tech stands in our way. And according to history, if we can get past Virginia Tech, we're in very good shape as a Coach K coached one seed. I actually think it sort of means Coach K can get out coached heading into the Sweet 16 game as a one seed. And, but he's already been out coached in this last game. So now I think we might, we might sort of be in a good position. Everything you said. Yeah, it's all history. Complete and utter nonsense. Nonsense. Well, it's gibberish. Facts are true. Uh, yeah, but you, you're portraying it a certain way. The record is the record. It's a, yeah. it's the most incredible record. It really is. He's when Coach K has gone to the Final Four yeah. in recent memory, he's basically won it all except for 04. That's why this small sample size is going to be skewed. I do recall well, twelve times he's been to the Final Four. Yeah, five national championships. Yeah, so it's not every time. Right. But it's a higher percentage than expectation. Okay. But the same people who sort of look at very small sample sizes said Coach K was a coach who couldn't win at all because the first three or four or five times he went to the Final Four, he never won it. They're like, oh, this guy can't fin- finish the deal. Right, right. So Everyone, it's just, so since then, he's, you know, he's been even better. Right? Yeah, since he's, then, he's, he's been either been better, better or yeah. he's, he's been on the right side of good fortune, which is not to say he's not putting in endless work Tons of preparation, coaching up his guys. Um, but luckily, he's got the greatest basketball player, maybe of all time, on his team. Well, he's got a really good. He's got a really good player. We've got. We, you know, we know what we have. We have stars, and we have others. And they can play better. And, and hopefully, they will play better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was. There's. So if we beat Virginia Tech, we won't talk about Virginia Tech as sure. an opponent. Sure. I mean, uh, they greatly outplayed us in the in the first matchup. I don't know if that's true. I mean, they they kind of kicked our tails. It felt no, it no, felt they like they not. kicked our tails. It was a close game. They were a top 15, 20 team. Um, it was close all the way down to the end, and then they ended up winning by five. We were without Zion. Yeah, they were without one of their best players. Awesome. Justin Robinson is coming off the bench for them, but they still have Kerry Blackshear's an animal, big guy down low, and they also have a top ten, top fifteen draft pick in. Nikhil Alexander, shooting guard, 6'5". So they're certainly capable. They do have sort of a spotty record away from, from uh, Blackburg. Um, so I like it. We're 7.5-point favorites currently. And Here's a situation where I wish we were playing somewhere else. We're playing in Washington, D.C., and Virginia Tech actually should travel well there. Um they, we should we, travel back. We should travel back. Well, they have a much bigger base of, like, graduates. Do they? They're a larger school than we are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, we graduate 1,600, 1,700 students a year. 
Virginia Tech graduates triple that, something like that, maybe more. <laughs> okay. uh, so they just have a bigger base, but Virginia is Virginia's and is right there with Washington. They're actually closer to Washington D.C. than we are. So I think they're going to represent. They don't get to the tournament very often. And then on the other half of it, there's going to be two other teams that are going to be rooting for Virginia Tech to win as well. So, so it's not as if like we're positioned well geographically to have an advantage here. Uh, so I sort of wish we were out in like sometimes we get put in the the West or the Midwest. Virginia Tech wouldn't travel as well there, but it's fine. Uh, I you know I like that we lost to them earlier in the season because we're going to be on notice, like. No, they're not going to take this team lightly at all. Zion is twenty nine and one. <laughs> Zion. And he's got all the other McDonald's All Americans yeah. around him. And um, uh, hopefully Jack White comes back. Uh, do you do you have any predictions on the Virginia Tech game? You think uh, think it's a close game? Think it's tight? I think we yeah you know, we're favored I've, by seven and a half. I, I think have no predictions. I hope we win. I hope we kill him. Yeah, it would be nice to you know Zion after the uh, the UCF game was asked a question or something like that about how, what, what was his mindset when it happened or right after. He's like, well, I hope we never have to be in that spot again because I don't want to be in that spot. You know, We don't want to be in that spot where the game goes down the wire, one bucket's going to end our season. We want to be icing the game. Yeah, I guess we did Hopefully didn't... not on the free throw line because we certainly can't make clutch free throws down the stretch like nobody on this team can. Yeah, before we move on completely from the UCF win, I guess we should pay some tribute to... The play that Zion made and the play that RJ made, we already talked about Cam's big three. Yeah. For Zion to have the ball in his hands, down three, and... To attack? To... Well, actually, he said he was going to shoot a three at postgame, and he heard Trey Jones Trey say to Jones, drive it. of all people who should be taking his own advice, attack the basket. Attack, yeah. attack the basket, Z. He, he hears him, and he's like, all right. He's like, you're right. And he, he also... Goes, yeah. Like Michael Jordan, and it, there are some things about him that I just can't get over. He goes up, he sees a seven foot six guy with an, I read he had an eight foot four inch wingspan. He sees this extraterrestrial being in front of him. Who's had problems with? He all takes game. up. Yeah. His hang time is so ridiculous. So sick. It's good. just so ridiculous. And not only is it ridiculous, he very often is at the, it takes him so long to get to the apex. And then he's he's always like coming down, and then he he releases the ball. It's just, it's incredible. We've never seen a guy finish through contact like Zion Williamson, and it was such a thing of beauty that the way the way he was able to like take the impact, the whistle blows, and he's like in this very awkward position, and the touch he was able to have like His finishing that, touch is incredible. It's incredible, yeah. So he steps up, he makes that play. And then he comes up short on the free throw, and which, he had been which uh, you were not surprised at all. I saw when the ball came out of his hand, I'm like that's well short. Actually, when the well ball short. came out of his hand, I thought our best chance was for Zion to, to follow go, up, to yeah. go and get which it. I was surprised he wasn't really, he didn't really put himself in a position to, to do that. Thankfully, because, well, he has to stay behind the line until yes. it hits the rim. Yeah, and but there is RJ Barrett making the biggest play, of, play the of the season. Play the season. Play of the season. Will to win. This, these guys want to make those plays, and it's just completely appropriate that it's Zion and RJ making those plays in the last 20 seconds. Bosom buddies. Crazy. Left-handed bosom buddies. 
They've been they've both been getting so much play in the media, both before and after games. Um, I I, I want to go back real quickly to the North Dakota State game. Zion literally never ceases to amaze me with some of his athletic feats. I, I'm pretty sure it was the North Dakota State game where behind the back dribble. I'll get to that in a second. That was the second one. The first one was a guy goes up to make a shot. Zion comes flying from the side, and he blocks the ball literally straight down as if it were a volleyball. And the ball comes straight down. It goes so high up. We obviously didn't get the ball, but that was pretty incredible. That was like a Karch Karai type of moment on defense. The other one was what you were talking about, the behind-the-back dribble. But before that, he tips the ball. It's a loose ball. And I watched this like three or four times because my eyes couldn't process what just happened when he knocked the ball out the North Dakota State guy who was one of his best one of the best point guards the Shaheen guy mm-hmm. Shaheen had inside position he had essentially boxed out Zion then I looked up their weights Shaheen weighs 90 pounds less than Zion what Zion did because the ball was a little bit out of reach for both these guys he out sprinted a guy who weighed 90 pounds less than him to the ball from out of position. From out of position. So like distance. I almost yeah. I can't process sometimes what Zion does because I can't he, he outraced a guy to a loose ball in an NCAA tournament game where everyone cares about every possession. No one's taken any plays off. And he outraced him to it. If we line up all the guys on one baseline and told him to sprint to the other, would Zion just win hands down? Even though he's close to three hundred pounds? Oh yeah. It's incredible. Of course, but even more so. Can you imagine what his time in the shuttle run would be in the NFL Combine? I don't even know if it's a straight sprint, but just his ability to change directions and quickly accelerate. So the and then the the more amazing part of the maybe it's less amazing, but he basically loses his balance trying to go behind the back. Somehow, I'm I'm thinking, don't get hurt, don't get hurt, because there are a couple times in the North Dakota State game where it looked like he might have like gotten hurt a little bit or he's a little gimpy, but yeah. Yeah, he has this incredible finish. I'm with my 11-year-old daughter who could care less about basketball. I force her to pick her head up. Watch this play, honey. And she's like, oh, my God. Like, she knows nothing. And she's just like, oh, my gosh. That's incredible. And, like, she, <laughs> I can't get her to watch. Like, I can't get her to watch any plays usually. You, like, you, I, have, you haven't sat her down and had her watch, <laughs> like, five minutes of Zion highlight, highlight things because I've done that with people. I've recently met somebody who doesn't know anything that much about that. I'm like, do you know who Zion Williamson is? She's like, no. And then she starts watching. She's like, this guy is not human. You know, this guy is incredible. Um, he's, what's it called? The Q factor where like random people who wouldn't know if he just walked up to somebody like an old grandma who doesn't follow basketball. Do you know who Zion Williamson is? It's got to be pretty close to a hundred. Not 100, but... No, no, not yet. Not very yet. high. Not yet. It's, it's still be very high. It will be. It like, will let's be. say LeBron James is 100, then Zion's probably like... 92? Not yet. No, I, I, don't, I don't think so. 85? I don't, I don't think so yet. I, you know, I bet if I ask Jay up at the front, mine's the, the counter up there. I bet he doesn't know who he is. Who Zion Williamson is? Yeah. Do you want to ask him real quick? Yeah, we'll ask him on the way out. Um, All right, well, Duke Basketball Junkies uh, Nation is uh, thrilled to hear that you, you met somebody. Eagerly waiting. I mean, that wasn't the point. <laughs> that was not the point. The, um, yeah, it, it was big-time winning plays. Zion continues to be Zion. RJ, RJ has had sort of like, you know, a little bit of a struggle in that game, but he makes the winning play. He, he has, The rest of it's out of his mind. And what... 
you heard uh, Zion talk about what uh, Coach K giving him the ultimate confidence in the huddle. Basically, with two three minutes left in the game, Coach K in the huddle reports are that he just looks at his best players there and he says, "Guys, you guys are made for this. You were, you were made for this. You have five or six possessions left, and you know instills this confident aura in them, and then." You know, Zion references it during his post-game interview. Listen, uh, Zion's says just when the, fun. When the greatest Zion's, coach looks Zion. at you in the eye and says that to you, you can just feel like the game must have had. Zion is just buttering up Coach K. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Zion and RJ are not lacking for confidence in any aspect of life. Um, it was such a long delay when they were looking at that shot clock violation, looking to see if the ball had grazed Coach the rim. K just ran Coach K, I mean, hey, Coach K, why not? Running, let's design some plays. You know? <laughs> let's design some offensive sets. Instead, just, just like just give the ball to Zion. Zion, you're, you do your thing. You were made for this moment. So, I've listened to a few podcasts since uh, last night, and people are clowning Coach K for for in particular that. Um, but but Zion and and, but, and RJ in particular, I've I've listened to their pregame pressers and their postgame pressers. Like Zion, Zion's just really incredible. He has a feel for appropriateness and he's just always happy smiley he tries to defer to rj in terms of questions because otherwise every question would go to him and literally none would go to rj um it's just a special special kid yeah he they they're relishing these moments and we're you know as well as they played uh at the those, those big plays it still would have all been in a loss if, uh, if, if we, we lost, if that ball and if Aubrey Dawkins had, had just tipped it a little less forcefully, um, although it was a very high degree of difficulty play. Um, okay, well, that's what's going on. Uh, Dance has been great. I mean, I think it's been sort of a boring tournament. Uh, you know, different perspective. I've been in the Bellagio Poker Room almost yeah. every day. From Thursday to Sunday, just the electricity, the yelling in the sports book that carries over to the poker room has been it's it's one of my favorite parts of the of the year. And then you see all the guys from all these schools that come to Vegas to gamble and drink and have a good yeah. time. All that stuff is really good. I understand it's super chalky, there weren't that many upsets. But hey, you know the best teams advanced. There were a lot of big performances from big time players. John Morant had a huge first round performance Before like solidifying he... It wasn't, well, it wasn't just him. His, I know his teammates yeah. were taking the brunt of the criticism, but they got shellacked. They got they run got, out of the gym. They by, got shellacked. They got run out of the gym by Florida State, but Florida State's really good. Florida State is legit. It's really from, good from the front to the back. You know, front of the starting lineup to the back of their bench. Florida State is NBA athletes. Yeah, and John Moran's the only NBA athlete on his team, and I thought he played pretty well, things considered. Yeah, um, he's going to be a top three or four pick. You know, a hundred percent. Sure, looks like. Uh, so yeah, it's been you know we're gonna have a lot of big storylines heading into this weekend, but none bigger than than Zion Williamson and the, and the Duke Blue Zions, you know. Uh, last last question for you: As you're watching Johnny Dawkins coach out coach Coach K, and uh, you're looking at this team that he constructed out of out of nowhere at what UCF. Do you mean out of nowhere. Well, what are you talking? He's been there a long time. No, but like he carefully constructed this team. This team, where did it come from? I mean, it was beautifully constructed. That's what I'm saying. Like UCF isn't isn't a school that's, that traditionally has a very good basketball team, mm-hmm. and he's got this really beautiful roster. Uh, 
you know, they played very well. They were very together. Everything looked right. And he didn't do, he didn't meet expectations at Stanford uh, as the coach there. And he lost his job, but he had some good, he had some good run there. Okay. Uh, did any kind part of, of you kind of think, wow, maybe it's Johnny Dawkins? No, I'm, I, that's not even something that I expend a lot of mental energy on. Maybe it's more, Johnny. More, more of it is just, Coach K, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Coach K, what are you doing? I mean, it, it, it actually harkened back to, we sort of had this conversation preseason about, look, we're great. we got all these top recruits, but it's going to be tough to beat talented veteran teams who have been through the ringer multiple years, gone, gone to the Sweet 16, gone to the Final Four as a team with perfectly aligned components. Like, that's why I talk about UNC. They've got a point guard. They got shooters. They got wings. They got bigs. They got a big body. Us, as beautiful as, as that Kentucky game was with positionless basketball, switching every ball screens, everyone can bring the ball up, everyone can shoot, everyone can defend. Sometimes I feel like, wouldn't it be better if we were like this team that has a point guard, a shooting guard, a small forward, power forward, a center, and not only do they know their roles, and not only are they all really good at their specific roles, but they're juniors and they're seniors, and they've been through it, and they're bigger, they're men. We, we're 18, 19-year-old kids who literally haven't gone through it, just relying on talent. So, Right, and it's, that's, it's, exact, that's, that's, that's the downside of the one-and-done thing. Yeah. It's a downside of Coach K not... Not developing his bench. Not trusting. Not, he doesn't trust his bench. But also, like, how... Like, I saw someone say, how does how does Duke not have three really good three-point shooters we have off coming off the bench? We have them. Right? We have them. We, we have Alex O'Connell. We have Joey Baker. Right. It's just, he doesn't trust him. He doesn't play him. It's a good yeah, point. There's no way you could stick in Joey Baker but at also, the end of the UCF game because you haven't built up that confidence. You haven't built up that, hey, I trust you in big moments because he doesn't. But we never, we also never have like an Archie Miller, or one of these guys that just comes in and knocks down threes. Oh, as a, as a player, I thought as you a, meant Archie as, Miller as a coach. Yeah, as a player, he, you know, Archie Miller was five ten and like. No, we had those. We had Andre Dawkins. I mean, Elsa oh, Andre Dawkins is, doesn't look like Archie Miller, but you know is, what I mean. Is about that. Uh, is is basically that role? Well, it's almost like you're a star or you're nothing. Yeah, you're either and, a star and you're going to get 38 to 40 minutes of play, or you're nothing. So if you're if you're the 75th to 110th recruit in the country and you're you're a dead eye shooter but not skilled elsewhere, you look at Duke and you think, well, I'm going to be stuck yeah, on the bench, yeah. like and I'm uh, not going to play, like Jordan Tucker. Right, Jordan who's, Tucker. Who's, who's we could have used Jordan T- yeah. Jordan Tucker this year. I mean, all those guys. And we could have used Shemi Ojale a few couple years ago, you know, but we didn't have them because yeah. they left. You know, look. Did you see any of the other games? You see teams that look great, like UNC looks freaking fantastic. Nasir Little is now scoring twenty points. Like he's feeling it. He's feeling great off the bench. UNC played the back half of the schedule super well. Looking fantastic. UVA almost got upset. Looks great. UVA UVA was losing at halftime. UVA did almost. They had a scare in the first half. You could see Tony Bennett on the bench and the other bench players and coaches. They were all. Freaking the crap out because nobody to, could hit a to shot lo- to lose in the one sixteen game in consecutive years. I mean, of course he's gonna if it happened, they were down, he would have recovered and been fine probably. But like to maybe I, I, mentally they were down twenty eight fourteen I think to Gardner Webb. They were down thirteen it was, or fourteen points. It was stuff insane. like that happens all the time. Like we were in a right. sort of a close game in the first half, 
against North Dakota State. Very, very close game. Stuff like that happens. We know what happens. Yeah. We've seen the tournament every year. Um, but I think Kyle Guy is really struggling with his shot, which is a bad time for that to happen. He went over 10, I think, from three in the last game. I still like Virginia a lot, but I don't know. UNC and Gonzaga are really surging. They they look really good, Gonzaga, as, do, as do all the teams that are yeah, that are alive right now. Yeah, good, yeah. everybody that's winning, of course, looks good, except for us. And uh, yes. Gonzaga does look really good. And uh, Back to Johnny Dawkins real quick. I went back and I, lo- I took a look at his coaching record, and... You know, it's better than I remembered it. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think it was. For, you said he fizzled at Stanford. Well, he got he, fired. He got fired after he, how many years? Everyone eventually gets fired. Well, he got everyone. Not Coach Gay. He got fired. That's, that's one after, out of three hundred fifty programs. He was there for eight years. Okay, that's a long time. That means you succeeded. He won twenty six. Yeah, he won twenty six games, then nineteen, then twenty three, then twenty four. I didn't really was he was that successful. And the last season, he goes 15-15, and 15 and they give him the, the heave ho. Well, just su- I sort remember of there was a lot of talk of him being fired one season, but he took an undeserving team and he made it, made it to the Sweet 16. I think that bought him a couple more years. But one, it's going to be tough to coach in the Pac-12 with the academic standards that Stanford has. I think their expectations at the time were out of whack. And since he's left, they haven't been very good. It's going to be tough to win in Stanford. But I think they also were looking at his recruiting classes. Okay. And he never, he didn't really grab top top level talent. Uh, and at UCF, he goes in wins twenty four games. A lot of the games. top top talent. How do you think they would fare in a Stanford classroom? It's a fair point, but look, Duke's the same. Duke's Duke's just like Stanford in that you think respect. So? I don't. I don't. You think? I don't know. What are you saying, Peter? You about um, to hot take us that Stanford's a much more difficult school to to. Show up at it than Duke. I, I mean, don't know. They're in like the same I, exact I, class. I so. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'll tell you if you if you give me go a ahead, second. Go ahead. Most of our basketball players, what are they majoring? <laughs> History, sociology, sociology. I also know what kind of class they took because. <laughs> I was in those classes. <laughs> they were in my intro to jazz class, and <laughs> but, but you, no, they so took like, legitimate classes, I, and I a get, lot of I, our I players that, are legitimate. The Stanford athletes that that come out, they graduate. Like you look at Andrew Luck. I mean, he literally majored in like architectural engineering or something like that. He's like, I just feel. But like... But it's not like there isn't sociology at Stanford. Uh, yeah. You know. Okay. All right. There's humanities. Maybe they're not as rigorous. Come on. As, maybe Duke is as equally academically rigorous. Uh, of course, of course. I mean, it, Stanford's beautiful. Palo Alto's beautiful. It's great. It's great there. Yeah. You know, it, it just. Happens to be lately they haven't attracted as many recruits, but they've, they've had some really good players there um, over the years. Listen, and jo- but my point is Johnny Johnny Dawkins' coaching record. Yeah. He's two twenty three and one forty nine overall, and he's won at both Stanford and Central Florida. Seasons he's had five, six of his last eight coaching seasons. He's won twenty three or more games. I'm sorry, six of his last nine. So like, why don't we ever talk about Johnny Dawkins as being the next guy at Duke? Because Coach K is never going to step down. <laughs> that's, that's one thing. Yeah. Like, I think you, you're making this push more so in the last few podcasts, but I, I'm just not thinking about it that much because I don't think Coach K is stepping down anytime soon. But to go back to, like, Johnny Dawkins, Cable, Wojo, Chris Collins, Tommy Amaker, all these guys are great human beings by all accounts. Like, they're really, they come from good, strong families. They're, they're just good people, which translates to you might not win, but they're going to do things the right way. 
So it doesn't surprise me that you got to you got to listen to this post game speech he gave to his team. His 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 team is literally bawling their eyes out, and it's not just it's it's audible. Like they're just devastated by the loss, which I would be too if I was a sort of a small school and you you had the game you had the game you literally had the game. All you needed was one alley oop dunk. Maybe don't try an alley oop dunk in that spot. Um, but I, so you went back and you looked at Johnny Dawkins' record. I actually went back and I looked at that 86 team. That yeah. Was a sick team. Great team. Sick team. Great team, yeah. You know, Coach K was talking about Johnny Dawkins' classes, Johnny Dawkins, uh, Mark Allery, Jay Billis, um, I think a Henderson, uh, David Henderson maybe. But then they also had Tommy Amaker, and then they had Billy King and Danny Ferry. Halfway through the season, I think Danny Ferry supplanted Jay Billis as the starting center. And that team went, I believe, thirty-seven and two. Um, yeah, I think they lost two games. Pretty, pretty phenomenal team. Yeah, strong bench too. Um, Everybody that I know who watched Johnny Dawkins played said he was unbelievable, like almost like an Allen Iverson type uh, before before AI. So, you know, looking at Aubrey Dawkins just for a second longer, what I looked at his stats page. He actually, he sit out three seasons. He injuries. He sat out two two seasons. So he played at Michigan in fourteen fifteen and fifteen sixteen. He sat out sixteen seventeen and seventeen eighteen. Have to sit out one year when you transfer, but he sat out two years. Was was one of those the title game with uh, Trey Burke? Probably right. Uh, I know his, I his playing yes. time went down. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I think the 15-16 was the Trey Burke uh, Michigan losing pretty badly to to somebody. Okay, I mean he he shot 43 percent from three point range at Michigan. So, you know, guy with a side. I don't. You know, I'm not exactly sure what happened to him for a couple of years. It must have been some version of an injury and the transfer rule. So, you know, it's too bad. It's too bad he didn't transfer to Duke. But uh, I understand why he'd go and play for his dad. But, uh, yeah, I was just thinking Johnny Dawkins is underrated in our discussions. You know, we bring it up once in a while. Yeah. And we think about Jeff Capel and we think about Wojo now because they've been at national prominence. They've been more recently attached to the team. But well, John- Wojo got smacked. Yeah, Wojo, Wojo's team got, got absolutely smacked by that John Morant guy from uh, Murray State. Yeah. But um, they, they didn't shoot well. They're, they rely on their shooting. But, uh, you know, Wojo's been in the tournament a couple straight years. We, t- we even talked about Chris Collins, but we haven't brought up Johnny Dawkins in a little while. And now I think Johnny Dawkins planted himself back into the discussion when and if it, we ever need to have the discussion. So I can't remember if I had this conversation with you or somebody else, but I was advocating. I think there's going to be a fall guy for immediately after Coach K steps down. Yeah, that was on the podcast that last was, week. Okay. Yeah, it was weird. I think that was that's a an weird theory. Weird, I mean, you might have sliced that out. I think you might have sliced that out. Uh, I might have cut out the last five <laughs> minutes when uh, when we got we got too personal. When, when you got inappropriate. <laughs> I got in a little inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> that'll be in the deleted scenes on the VOD. Yeah, so we bring in a fall guy sort of like Matt Darty. Like who They didn't bring in Matt Darty to be a fall guy, dude. First of all, it was Bill Guthridge he, after Dean Smith. He was Smith. the fall guy. Then they called up Roy Williams. I, it was, that's, that's a more likely scenario. Roy Williams then, took the job and then changed his mind. Okay. Because he got started crying too much okay. about his team. He went to talk to his team and realized he couldn't leave him. I'm just saying the guy who <laughs> follows Coach K is going to fail. 
that's just how it's going to be. Nobody's failing. So because that person's going to fail, you bring in sort of like a patsy who's going to fail for the next two or three years. Then you bring in Capel or Dawkins or Wojo. We'll bring Pete Gaudet back for exactly. two, one and a half that's seasons. exactly something Just because he's going to be have the, the, the kibosh jinx on him. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, that's it for, uh, I guess, this episode of Duke Basketball Junkies. Just happy we're still alive. Happy uh, we're still alive. <laughs> yes. um, I saw that the betting odds for us to win it all dropped. They, they plummeted. <laughs> we start off at two to one or plus two hundred. Then we went up to plus two fifty, plus three, and now we're like plus three seventy. So despite winning two games and advancing, our odds of winning have decreased because people are losing faith in us, as I suspected. Just statistically, it's decreased as well because. All the other strong teams. Advance. We're going to have to, yeah, we're going yeah. to have to beat the four seed and the two or three seed. It's going to be a gauntlet the rest of the way. Yeah, we can't. We have to play well, beyond well. And everyone's going to be out for us. Um, we've I've mentioned in the last two episodes the Devin Gordon interview. Uh, this week I'm actually going to to be releasing it. Uh, we're going to release this episode and then. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to release the Devin Gordon People interview. People are dying, Mike. People are dying for what? Devin's take on the freshman, on this team. We're going to hear about a lot of the psychology, a lot of the program this year uh, from an insider perspective, from uh, our friend Devin who got to talk, sit and talk for 20, 30 minutes with each of the freshmen and with Coach K in his uh, in his uh, office. So uh, It's a good listen. Looking forward Again, to posting guys, it's that. It's a good listen. Yeah, definitely give it a listen. Uh, we actually had some audio issues at the beginning. But, you know, get through the first 10 minutes and then it, it should pay off. Uh, and hopefully we didn't we didn't talk too much. I know I didn't this time. I let Devin do most of the talk, which is a rarity for me. Devin was great. As he usually is. All right. You're always great, Peter. Thanks for, thanks for doing this with me. Uh, I'm usually angry. Thank you for doing this with me. All right. All right. Bye, everybody. See you. Go, dude. Go, dude. Go, dude. Go, dude. Go, dude. Go, dude. Go, dude.